So our shir today, our Vayakil shir today, entitled How Every Person Contributes to the Ruz, something we started speaking about last week, is dedicated today for Rafur Shlema for Chaya Basrifko. Is dedicated by Barry Bracha Efron for her sister Kadima Nechama Baschava, who is undergoing a stem cell transplant this week. Hashem should grant her an all holy soul or four shlema. This year is also dedicated for Elias Nesham of Anna Basara by her cousins Pam and Rita Goodman. We have a very, very special Talmida who participates in all the classes. She's probably on the Zoom right now. Yafa Yerma. She is a tzaddika. She worked day and night to make sure that Anna received a proper burial. Anna has no immediate relatives. This was a huge task. And her cousins Pam and Rita were found at the last possible moment to ensure that she received a Jewish burial. Okay, and if you would like to give tzedakah, our Chachma V'chesed campaign is in full swing. Here we go. We're talking today about Shabbos. We introduced the concept that we're going to go back to in order to appreciate the value of every single person who keeps Shabbos, meaning even a person who keeps Shabbos by just, you know, sitting, you know, going to shul, maybe not even going to shul three times a day, three times, maybe they go to shul once, but they don't work and they keep Shabbos in their house and they, they follow the 39 melachas, meaning they're not preparing their food, clothing and shelter and business. Their 39 melachas break down in four categories, food, clothing, shelter, they make Shabbos, they prepare Shabbos, they have a nice meal, they sit around with their families, and they're not busy with work, and they're not on their phones or TVs or computers. And that's it. They might not be singing Zemiros, and they might not, might not be saying amazing Divrei Torah, and they might not be, um, you know, uh, wearing the fanciest clothes or even having the best foods, but they're keeping Shabbos. We want to talk about how vital each and every person who keeps Shabbos is and how it contributes to what is referred to as the secret of the Jewish people. Okay, so let's go back and um, remember the, this concept of Raz, the secret. So there is a very special bracha that is made rarely when there's 600,000 Jews together, meaning a large group, right? When a person sees this, they make a bracha, Baruch HaTashem Lekeinu Melech Olam Chacham HaRazim. So this means the Chacham, the wisdom of the secrets, or the, the wise one of the secrets. So Rashi and Rambam emphasize two different points about what this bracha means. Rashi specifically says that when you see so many people, you know, it's possible to just see a mass of people and not really be, you know, focused in that every single person is an individual with their own inner personal world. So Rashi says, this bracha tells us that Hashem has the chachma, Hashem has the, is the wise one who can see the secret inner individuality of every person. Nobody gets lost in the crowd. That's very current. Obviously, we're very sensitive to that today, that everybody is a whole world and everybody has all sorts of their own stuff going on inside and their own drives and perspectives and working on themselves and everybody's somewhere on their own journey. And Akadosh Baruch sees each and everybody. Nobody gets lost in a crowd. Rambam puts the emphasis the opposite way. Rambam says, when you see a whole crowd of people, there's a lot of people in that crowd. 
There are people that are so sensitive to every mitzvah. They're great scholars. They delve deep into the deep layers of Torah. They daven with intense kavana. You know, there's the whole spectrum. Then on the other end of the spectrum, there's just people who just like, they're basically Jewish. You know what I mean? They eat kosher. They're not really educated at all. But it doesn't matter. When you see the whole group, Hashem, Hashem's secret, Hashem's wisdom and Hashem's secret lives in the collective, in the big group. That being a group together, the whole group, without focus on each person's particular spiritual space, you know, place they're in that minute, the fact that they're part of a group which has as its identity certain, certain basic norms and certain basic lifestyle, you know, behaviors such as Shabbos, such as kashras, just such as this, believing that the Torah is from Shemayim, basic stuff, that has a power of its own. And there's a great secret that lives in the group. And it, it ultimately is the secret, it is the great um, secret that, uh, that, that the reason it's called the secret is like an inner truth that is really um, driving the world forward. The fact that there's an Amishol, and we stand for certain basic truths that are not changeable and there's timeless truths. Yeah, we understand everybody's on their personal, personal journey. We get it. But that doesn't mean that there are not timeless truths that as a community we uphold to the more or less degree. Of course, the community needs the great luminaries, the thinkers, the ones whose ideas are gonna trickle down and influence everybody else. That's true. But in order for that luminary, that great sage, that great wise person, that great influencer, Torah influencer, to have an impact, that person needs a community. They need kosher food. They need people who just work in the grocery business. They need schools. They need shuls. They need chess organizations. They need wine stores. They need everything. They need everybody. And so Rambam is saying, don't underestimate the vital role of the regular person in the group they provide the infrastructure for the group to function and of course for the great ones to emerge okay so once we start with that concept of how valuable everybody is um then what we're going to do now is focus on a particular mitzvah in shabbos that is unique stands apart from all the other malachas of shabbos and the deep secret of this particular mitzvah, and we, or really this iser, you might say. And that is that in this week's Parsha Vayakel, there is a Pasuk that is read and understood as a reference, direct reference to the one and only odd standout Yotzei Min HaKlal iser and Shabbos called carrying. See, we all know that there's 39 Malachas. And we're going to translate the word malacha shortly. But really, there's 38 and one. The other 38 break down, as we said, into four categories, food, clothing, shelter, and business. All the, what people call creative work, you're used to hearing about malacha's creative work. Let's give it a different word. Thank you. Um, let's give it a different word. Let's, uh, let's refer to it as survival mode needs. In other words, yeah, we all need food, clothing, shelter, and business. That's the nature of our, how Hashem designed us, of our life. So yeah, we all got to be busy with food, food, clothing, shelter, and business. However, what we do is we make sure starting very early of Shabbos, the mitzvah to prepare early, 
We get all that stuff done, prepared, ready. Our food is ready. Our clothing's ready. Everything's ready. So that on Shabbos, we don't have to worry about these things. And our mind is free. But there's one more called carrying from a private domain to a public domain. And there's Erevin. We have in most communities in Erev, so we forget about it. Um, what is that? How does that fit in? So first of all, the source in this week's Parsha. Okay, so look at B1. By Yitzav Moshe, they were build their, everybody was bringing all their stuff, all their personal possessions to the, to the Mishkan campaign. By Yitzav Moshe, Moshe made a, command, a proclamation throughout the camp. Laymore saying, Ish ve'isha, men and women. Al yasu od malacha letrumas hakodesh. Do not do any more malacha for your gifts for what you're donating to the Kodesh. So they stopped bringing. So when Moshe said, don't do any more malacha, that means, look in Shabbos 96b, essentially says, what is malacha? Bringing stuff is called malacha. Bringing from your private domain to the public domain, that is called doing a malacha. Stop doing this malacha. So we have to try to understand how is carrying a malacha? How does it, how is it part of taking care of our basic survival needs that you're not allowed, just like everything else, you know, you have to see San Shabbos. This, you also have to see San Shabbos. Okay, look at the next Pasuk, Baha Malacha, and the Malacha meaning of carrying things from their houses to the Mishkan was enough. Lachal HaMalacha, Lasos Oso Vahutar. So they had carried so much stuff. They had transported so much stuff from their personal domain to the, to the Mishkan. It was enough for everything they needed. Okay, so if you look in the Gemara here, which explains the Shabbos 96b, that this was Moshe telling them, do not carry out and bring objects from the private domain to the public domain. By the way, this concept that transporting things is called the malacha. My grandfather, this whole idea, by the way, comes from my grandfather, Shamshel Fal Hirsch, is the essence of the idea, and then we're going to build it out. That look in Vayishlach, when Yaakov meets Esav, and Esav says, come on, let's travel together. Yaakov says, um, Yavor, oh, I'm missing a word here. Yeah, here. Uh, Yavor na Adoni lifne avdo. You should go ahead of me. I'm going to go slowly. Laregel hamalacha. At the pace of the malacha that I have to do, the children, the animals. I mean, it's taking me time to transport everything, to take everything to where it needs to go. So um, I got to go slow. So he tells Asaph, you go ahead of me. Of course, this has many deep meetings, but the pointer is that the word malacha is used again to transport everything. So we're understanding the concept that carrying, transporting something from your personal domain to the public, now the public is in halacha, Rosh Hashanah is like the Mishkan, like where 600,000 people are. It's really a big, huge space. Most of our spaces are not Rosh Hashanah So there's a separate designation called the Carmelis, which is not my personal home, not someplace where there's 600,000 people every single day, but like an in-between space, like our streets. And Chazal Medikzeira, you don't carry into there either. Okay, but um, but this is the this is the concept of carrying itself has a special place in Shabbos. What's the secret of carrying? Now, it's so important that Yirmiyahu, okay, is the time of the korban. 
And then Nehemiah, who's after the Korban, when he came back to Yisrael, they make a special emphasis on talking about this issue, okay, that people are not being careful with carrying. So if you look at your Miyahu Perak 17, thus says Hashem, guard yourselves for your own sake against carrying packages on Shabbos. Watch your nefesh, guard your soul. Like this is very dangerous for your soul to carry on Shabbos. Don't carry packages. Okay, and don't bring your personal stuff into the gates of Yerushalayim, which would be the Rishasarabim. Don't do it. Don't take stuff out of your house on Shabbos. And then it calls it a malacha. And don't do malacha. Nehemiah comes and tells us that he came back to the stroll and the situation was pretty dismal in terms of their spiritual you know, practices. He says, I saw the Yehuda. You know what I saw? I saw people were on their wine presses on Shabbos. Others were bringing, right? Umviim ha'aramos. They were bringing their grain and loading them onto their donkeys, okay? And um, bringing them into Yerushalayim. Mechol maseh umviim Yerushalayim biyom ha'Shabbos. And they were bringing um, things into Yerushalayim on Shabbos. And by the way, Nehemiah is also instituted muksa, which we're going to talk about. Thing, not using things that are, unless you designate them for Shabbos. So both the Nevi'im are particularly, um, particularly conscious of this Avera that people are carrying. Now, we're not going to go into Shabbos 11b and the Tosos, but essentially it's about a Carmelist, that the Carmelist is a Gezerah, and Chazal is saying we're even making a Gezerah on a Gezerah, like we're being super, super careful to not carry that we're being, we're making siyagim upon siyagim, so to speak, like fences upon fences, just not to carry. And my grandfather points out here that Masech Shabbos, the Gemara, there's some halachas and malachas Shabbos that are like almost barely mentioned. And then there are numerous prakim where Erevin, talking about setting up an Erev is, is discussed because Erevin are so important because so people shouldn't carry. Okay. So what is the secret about carrying on Shabbos? Now we did a share like four years ago, that we worked with this topic, but we took it in a different direction a little bit. So you can review that year, it was 2019, all right, for more to flesh it out more. So here is this fantastic, unbelievable insight from Rosham Shem Rafal Hirsch, R-S-R-H is Rosham Shem Rafal Hirsch, yeah. Just going back to um, yeah. when Esav and Yaakov, yeah. is travel a, another word for... So Malacha here, he's referring to, yeah, he's saying, I can't travel. He says, yes, exactly. That's the point. I have to transport all this stuff. I have to carry it. So it's called Malacha. Okay. Now, what the question, not D is, how did Shabbos become Jewish? Okay. You see, right in the beginning of, of Briyas Olam, before there were any Jews at all, when there were already six mitzvahs for everybody, don't forget, Noah had the seventh of Avram Menachai. Everyone know the six mitzvahs that are ubiquitous, that are always, that are not negotiable, that every single person on earth is required to uphold? No avodazara. Fair and just court systems for all people, justice. No killing, no stealing, no committing adultery, and no blaspheming. Okay, then Noah added Avram and it went on from there. Okay, now, um, so right in the beginning, 
we know that they're Shabbos. It tells in, in the Barisha story, they're Shabbos, that Hashem rested. It's like a, everybody has to understand that this world is created, but built into, this is the first very important construct to understand about Shabbos, built into the structure of the physical world of the seven days of the week, which by the way, is strictly religious. You know that, you know that there are months, that's cosmologically, okay? There are, there are days cosmologically, there are years, but there's no such thing as a week. There's nothing, there's no markers in the constellations and how they move and the sun and the earth and rotations that make a week. This is just Hashem invented this. So, um, so Hashem says that there's something called a week and, uh, and everybody has to know that the seventh day is part of the week. It's not Lamalam and Hateva. It's not above the week. Built into your basic life structure is that you get out of survival mode every week, once a, once a week, and say, I'm in Hashem's world. I don't have to do anything for myself. And you prepare everything in advance. So you get the feeling of what it feels like to know you're be part of a bigger reality. And you don't have to waste your life trying to figure out how to get your needs met all the time because you're actually part of something much bigger than yourself. Okay. And this built into the system every week so but what happened how did it become jewish how come it's not for everybody we even know that there we'll see it later there's a halacha comes from noah we learned it out from noah that after the mabel there's a rule that no one's allowed to keep shabbos until you get to the jewish people and we come out of mitzrayim and in marashim gives us shabbos so what happened what changed that's the question okay so look at the, in Shemos. This is Aseris Adibros. So we, but Shabbos has already been given already in Mara a little bit before. They've already started to learn it. And then here comes Aseris Adibros. You cannot have your dog pick up your paper and bring it in if there's no Eruv. Okay, that's one of the Xeris, okay, from, from, from outside, the, you know, on the street. So um, if there's no Arab. So you can't have, you certainly can't have another human being do malacha for you. This is very important. People have housekeepers. Anything that you're ushered to do yourself, you cannot ask them to do. It's the, now their provisions, what that means, but be very careful. And there's ways where we have to, that you can ask them. And an Eretzisrol. In Eretz Yisrael, the non-Jews did not work for Jews on Shabbos. They also had a level of, of not doing work on Shabbos. But, um, and so what's the reason given in the Because made the world in six days. So what happened? How did it happen that after the Mabel, Hashem said, no one's allowed to keep Shabbos. Okay, which we'll see in a minute. And then it reappears for Am Yisrael. So now Shemos 31, 17, okay. And look at the explosion. started watching the Shabbos. So here you have, in this and here we're in our parsha, and we're talking about Shabbos that somehow with Yitzias Mitzrayim, Am Yisrael now have the permission, the Rishus, to keep Shabbos. It's in Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. No, because after you'll see that B'nai Noach, we're going to see it in a second. Maybe I should have put it first here. Okay, you know what? Scroll down to F1. Okay, this is from Noach, after the Mabel. 
od kol yemei ha'aretz, all the days or seasons on earth, zerav ha'katsir, kor v'chom, kayetz, v'choref, yom v'layla, lo yishposim. From now on, all the seasons are going to just keep going. No rest, lo yishposim. And here, look at Rish Lakish. So this is B'nai Noach. Everybody's B'nai Noach. There's no Avram yet. A Ben Noach who observes Shabbos is liable to receive the death penalty. No one is allowed to keep Shabbos anymore until you get to Am Yisrael, coming out of Mitzrayim, where Shabbos becomes a mitzvah derisa for Am Yisrael. So what happens? And of course, there's a big question, which we're not going to get into. So how did Avram keep Shabbos? And also, they arranged that they shouldn't work on Shabbos, but the mitzvah derisa to keep Shabbos as we do it with the 39 malachas, that came with Mara, okay? Maybe, seems like it. I, it's a good question. No, so the Mepharshim explained, is it talking about the seasons or about people? There's a whole lot of conversation. The Maskan and the Gemara is, it's talking about people are B'nai Noch. There's no, nobody yet, everyone's B'nai Noch now. No more Shabbos. And then it comes back and it becomes Am Yisrael's chilek, Am Yisrael's nachala, so to speak, and Am Yisrael's kibiyah. However, something's fascinating. When Moshe gives the second luchos in Veschanan, when there's the second, no, not when Moshe brings her, Moshe brings the second luchos down in our parsha, okay? In Kisisa, yeah, last week. But when the Aseris Hadibras are repeated the second time, something switches. Zacharta as ki eved hayisa be'eretz Mitzrayim. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Bi'itzacha, bi'itziacha, Hashem alokecha misham bi'yad chazak abzrona tuya. Al kein siva Hashem alokecha lasos as a Shabbos. Something just changed. The reason you were given the command to keep Shabbos is because you were taken out of Egypt. So now we see that there was something called Shabbos, and then Hashem said, "No more Shabbos," after the Mabel. And then we were taken out of Egypt, and Al Cain, because you're taken out of Egypt, now that's why you have, you have to keep Shabbos. Okay. So, first of all, in a way, it's almost as if Shabbos was really everybody's Nachala, but it, they lost it. And then Amishol got it. And now, if you're not Amishol, you can't keep Shabbos. So first of all, just this, I didn't see this anywhere, but it triggers a, a memory that Rashi says, why doesn't the Torah start with the first mitzvah? Isn't the Torah just a book of laws, which obviously it's not. So the answer is no, because the Torah wants to give you the backstory. How did it happen that Am Yisroel got Eretz Yisroel? How did it happen? And the language Rashi uses, and Rav Moshe Shapiro gives a whole share on this, that Hashem told us this whole backstory, the creation and how all the other nations formed and how Avraham and Yishmael and Yitzchak and those who chose to, to lock into the concept of one Hashem and those who, who you know, opted out of it and the whole backstory, in order to give them the nachla of the nations, which of course physically means Eretz Yisrael. Really, the Canaanites shouldn't have lost their land. But because HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells us that this whole world is set up that people have an obligation and they need to recognize Hashem. And if they opt out and if they abdicate, just like the Mabel and Sodom and all that, they're not, they're not living as they should. And therefore, Kodesh Baruch is going to set up an Orla Goyim, Am Yisrael, give them Eretz Yisrael and, and, and try to use them to get the world back, right? So Hashem can take the Nachl of the Goyim, 
but it seems like Shabbos was also Nachlas Goyim. It was given to Amisrael. So ideally, of course, everybody should have as part of their week, the basic awareness that, you know, where we don't need to be in survival mode, like that we're part of a bigger story. But it was now it's strictly the domain of Amisrael. They were given Nachlas Goyim. Almost like Shabbos is Yeah, exactly. You got now it. Now, exactly. So if Shamshul Falhirsch says, okay, look at E. Rishus Harabim, Rishus Hayachim. Wow. 30, really, Shabbos, okay, originally, you can argue, it was Rishus Harabim. It was everybody's domain. Every human being has to know that they don't live here alone, okay? And that, and everybody has to understand it's the basis of the set of the six mitzvahs that there's Hashem and that they are living in Hashem's world. Okay. Well, that's the Isser. Rambam specifically says that the Isser of a Ben Noah keeping Shabbos even on another day, it's a huge Isser to make Friday or Sunday Shabbos. Because um, you're, they're not allowed to establish a Shabbos. Uh, the only way they can keep Shabbos is if they become Jewish and keep Shabbos. Keep so, Shabbos right, they don't. But even he, he makes it specific, he, they specifically talk about that. You can't create a Shabbos if it's not part of your religion. So we're going to get into that. So, Rav Shamshul Hirsch says the 38 malachas, food, clothing, shelter, and business, okay they are in response to the fact that Hashem created the world in six days and in part of the whole creation is the seventh day that Hashem rested, meaning part of the consciousness, the essence of what Shabbos is, is that like we just said, you are not alone here. You're part of a bigger story. Take it easy. Relax. We're going to explain the Neshama Yisera shortly. And uh, you're part of something bigger. You're back in the womb and you're just a little bit transparent. The neshama, the flow of divine ideas that influence us is clearer, stronger. And you get it that, you know, you're, you're like, again, you're part of something bigger. You don't need to worry about providing for all your needs. Like Baruch Hu could provide for you. Obviously, we prepare before Shabbos in order to get the feeling of Shabbos. That's really the essence of Shabbos. And the 38 malachas are about that. However, the 39th malacha, carrying from the private into the public, all right? That is there to remind you that only Amishol has Shabbos because something changed. And what changed is that Amishol by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and by committing to Nasa Vanishma, following motion to the Midbar and all that, they opted into a, so to speak, Rishus Hayachet, a private inner domain that only Amisol and Hashem inhabit together. We opted into a life where we see ourselves and not just see ourselves, we conduct ourselves all the time during the six days of the week in awareness that we live in a private domain with the Kaddish We're in the Rishus Hayachad, in the womb, so to speak. We're in Hashem's space. We never forget that. By accepting, by coming out of Mitzrayim and accepting Shabbos, particularly in Mara means we live always every single day of the week aware that there's some there's a private space that we inhabit that the rest of the world did not although they're obligated in seven mitzvahs that's not the same as being in the Rosh Hashayachet. 
So what distinguishes between the Rosh Harabim and the Rosh Hashanah No, Make no mistake about it. Nobody gets a free pass. Being in the Rosh Hashanah means you know that there's a God and you know that you can't tamper with the system. And you know that that means that everybody else, that you're created by God, which means everybody else, everybody else is created by God, which means that you have to have justice. And that's it. You have to treat everybody. Everybody has equal rights and because there's a God. But that doesn't mean that every part of your life, your thoughts, your speech, your action, every move you make, what you spend your time on, every from the way you wash your hands, the way you tie your shoes, the way you dress, everything is infused with an awareness that you live in an intimate connection with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's a very big difference between, I get it, right? It's God's world versus I personally, in all of my life, express my sense of attachment to Hashem. It's very different. So because Am Yisrael apted into that Rishus Hayachid, we now have a, 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 an Isser on Shabbos, which constantly reminds us of that distinction that on Shabbos, we stop taking our personal stuff from our personal domain and putting it out there in the Rosh Hashanah. We, what, so what does that mean? It means whatever's personal to us, we keep to ourselves. It's an emphasis, kind of like Rashi, go back to this Chacham Harazim, that everybody's personal inner journey is sacred for them. And yeah, there's time to think about it, to focus on it, and to, um, and to build it up. By the fact that we're not busy with all the other stuff, we get a chance to go deeper, right? At the same time, okay, the fact that the whole of Am Yisrael is keeping Shabbos supports the awareness that we have a consciousness that everybody else did not opt into. Now, here's the thing. Shabbos, okay, it's not just that it's not, it's not a consciousness that, oh yes, we're in a Kaddish Baruch's world that you can spontaneously like focus on. It has to be the culmination of a whole week and it has to be the source of the energy for the following week. There's, now this is something I just noticed. I did not see a source of this. I just wanna point something out. It's very interesting. If you hear more about it, let me know. There are three times where Chazal say that they're, Chazal are willing to override a mitzvah do raisa because somebody might carry on Shabbos from a Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. But when the Gemara explains why that person might carry, in all three cases, they use the same example, which is very interesting. Let's analyze it. Megillah in the Mesechus Rosh Hashanah regarding the shofar. Really, it is by Torah law permitted to sound the shofar in Rosh Hashanah, even if Rosh Hashanah is on the Shabbos. But the sages decreed that it is prohibited. They overrode a Mitzvah's Asi do Raisa. Okay, this is in accordance with the opinion of Rabbah. Rabbah said, All are obligated to sound the shofar in Rosh Hashanah, but not all are experts in sounding the shofar. Therefore, the sages instituted a decree that the shofar should not be sounded on Shabbos. Why? Lest one take a shofar in his hand and go to an expert to learn how to sound it, okay? Or to have him sound it for him. And due to his preoccupation, he may carry it for cubits in the public domain, okay? Look at this, look at sukkah. What about lulav? Really, you should take a lulav on Shabbos, but the chazal say, no. They're overriding Mrs. Asi de Raisa. This prohibition is a decree, lest one take a lulav in his hand and go to an expert. What is going on? To learn how to wave the lulav. 
or how to recite the blessing. Look at Megillah. You really should read the Megillah on Shabbos, but you don't, right? The sages, it should have been a decree that the Megillah is not read on Shabbos. Lest one take a Megillah in his hand and go to an expert to learn how to read it or hear the expert read it. What is going on here? How come you can't just realize on Shabbos that you need to do something, but you don't know how to do it? It seems to me, okay, that it fits very well in with this whole concept that we've been learning, which is you can't just fall into Shabbos. You can't just wake up and say, oh, it's Shabbos. It can't just like, kind of like find itself suddenly in your world. It's that's why also non-Jews can't keep Shabbos. The same type of idea that, um, that um, it's Shabbos, you go, oh, I don't know how to do this. Let me go find an expert. Say, no, rather, a, a, rather override a misvasasi derisa than have that scenario. Because there's something about Shabbos that precludes, that it goes directly against, like spontaneously waking up one day and saying, oh, I know, uh, let me learn how to do this. Okay. Because Shabbos only is given to us as a gift once we commit consistently, right? Really, it was for the whole world. But Amisho committed consistently to be aware of our Rishasa Yachid, our our direct connection and its impression on our day-to-day -day life in every bit of our lives all the time. And when we're constantly aware of it, then we are entitled on Shabbos to say, okay, now we're gonna live in this zone like we're in Hashem's world. But we're always aware of it. You cannot wake up suddenly and say, oh, I'm in Hashem's world, but actually six days of the week, I don't even think about it. I say, okay, I gotta be moral because you know we're all created, but that's about it. Um, I don't think about it. And now I just want to think about it. It doesn't go. It's either all or nothing. It's all the mitzvahs and Shabbos because it's part of our routine and, or nothing or, or not all the mitzvahs and then no Shabbos. Yeah. Could you say that I would, I'm not, I don't see the exact parallel what you're talking about. It's a, it was out of Shabbos. They yeah. Wanted, they wanted to go from an internal realization. To um, uh, I, I, I hear, I mean, no. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not, I mean, I'm sure you could find the pathway from one to the other, but to just, to, let's focus on this specific um, message here. So here's something, and we're going to look at the more Nebuchim and see something. If somebody doesn't live with the consciousness of Shabbos the whole week, you know what's going to happen? There are going to be a lot of elements of Shabbos that are going to be a burden to them. They're going to be a burden. They're going to be inconvenience. They're going to be difficult. They're not going to appreciate it. They say, this is getting in the way of my life. So it makes it clear that you're right. It's true because you can't just fall into Shabbos if that's not your consciousness all the time. It really has to be that the whole week, and you know, I didn't bring the sources here, but there's so many um, examples, and and you've, I'm sure you've heard Shurim like this, that a person should think about Shabbos all week if they see something beautiful. Shama used to do this, save it for Shabbos, right? Get up early on Shabbos to prepare for Shabbos, do something like covet Shabbos, and um, and the and uh, and we we learn Misha Tarach of Shabbos Ochol Shabbos. You have to work before Shabbos to get the oneg. By the way, the distinction between preparing for Shabbos and enjoying Shabbos has two different names. Preparing for Shabbos is called Kavit Shabbos, and enjoying Shabbos is called oneg Shabbos. You really cannot have oneg Shabbos if you didn't have Kavit Shabbos, which is preparing for it. 
doesn't work like that. So look what Ramam says in Mornavuchim, not in only regards to Shabbos, but in regards to everything. Very black and white, very clear. He says, we intend to discuss in this treatise the reasons for the commandments. And we shall then show as far as necessary the justice and wisdom of the law of Torah. On account of which it is said, Torah Hashem Tamima Meshivas Nefesh, that the Torah of Hashem is perfect and it settles, it restores your soul. Okay. But he says, there are persons who believe that the law commands much exertion and great pain. It's difficult, it's a huge burden. But due consideration will show them their error. Later on, I will show how easy it is for the perfect to obey the law. Compare. What does the Lord Hashem ask from you? And Hashem says in Devarim, have I not been a witness to Am Yisrael? He's explaining. He says, but this applies only to the noble ones. The, the, the people that love the Torah, that are good to Meshiva Snefesh, it really applies to the ones who are nobles in English word, who've elevated themselves, who put in a little effort to appreciate Torah. Okay. Whilst wicked, violent, and pugnacious persons, meaning people with bad midos he's talking about, people who want to do whatever they want to do, find it most injurious and hard. They think the Torah really is not just a burden, it, it bothers them, it gets in the way, it damages them. And it bothers them that there should be any divine authority tending to subdue their passions. To low-minded, wanted, and passionate persons appears most cruel there should be an obstacle in their way to satisfy their carnal appetite or that a punishment should be inflicted for their doings. Similarly, even godless persons imagine that it is too hard to abstain from the evil he has chosen in accordance with his inclination. So he says like this, we must not consider the law easy or hard according as it appears to any wicked, low-minded, and immoral person. Ramam is saying if you don't appreciate Torah, you haven't developed yourself, even a little bit. You start to develop yourself a little bit from just being a, you know, a wild animal. Anybody does whatever you want to do, justifies whatever. Yeah, you're no, those people are not going to appreciate Torah. Torah is going to be appreciated by someone who begins to develop themselves. Okay. Which hopefully is most people in the world, by the way. All right. Um, <clears throat> he says, uh, but as it appears to the judgment of the most perfect, who according to the law are fit to be the example for all mankind, which is really meant to be every person. You know, being an Orla Goyim is not rocket science. It, it's not the hardest thing in the world. Ramam says there's a few, 13 Ikrim. We know the basic halachas and we're supposed to, uh, and, and, and we're, of course, we, we Amisil Torah is what we talked about, infusing every moment, every thought, every single thing with it. But even like Ramam says, the whole community as a whole has a place, the basics, right? As long as a person's not just living in, you know, like we said, survival of the fittest, doing whatever they want, they will be able to see that the Torah has, uh, is, um, is, is benefits them and restores their soul, okay? The law, this law alone is called divine, all right? The, the law that restores your soul, that guides you. Other laws, such as the political legislations among the Greeks or the follies of the Sabaeans, are the works of human leaders, but not of prophets, as I've explained. He's explaining what's the difference between Torah and regular constitutions of other governments. And he's going to say the Torah is in the, this is where he's in the middle of saying the Torah is not just laws. Torah is laws that have as their goal moral perfection 
connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and this development of the human being. And if a person finds them burdensome and hard, it just means that they have not started down the path of going inside into that Rishos HaYachid, really, and understanding who they are and how they're supposed to live. So what we're saying is like this, that, that um, number one, during the week, the concept of Rishos HaYachid is a very important concept to hold on to that I exist directly in connection to Kodesh Baruch Hu, and it influences and it, and it affects every single, single part of my day and every single part of my life. I'm always conscious of halacha. I'm conscious of my midos. We have our shir hilchos deos, which we're learning about tikkun amidos, how, right? how a person's midos really are paramount for them to have the temperament in order to absorb the Torah ideas correctly. So um, this is with us all the time. Now on Shabbos, and all the time, one second, during the rest of the week, it's not us to take from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. In fact, it's a good thing. The Jewish people are bringing everything to the Mishkan, and we as a Jewish people, as our Lagayim, okay, we are taking our private, you know, like our inner understanding, and yeah, we're meant to be an our Lagayim, and we're meant to have it influence how everybody works, Okay. And that's the power really of the general community. At the same time, there's something unique about Shabbos that is super personal. We don't do that. We focus on ourselves and our Rishos HaYachid and we don't take our stuff into the Rishos HaRabim. It's a license for every person to, to spend the time to self-contemplate on Shabbos. It's not just, of course it's a community mitzvah that only Amish will keep Shabbos. And, and, but, but the essence of, of, um, of the personal Shabbos observance is that in the end, sorry, in the end, when, when it's all over, like we say, when you get up there, nobody is going to be asked about someone else. No one's going to say, why was so-and-so? Not your spouse, not your kids, not your, nobody. When what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants is us to know how we're doing personally in our achieving for ourselves a connection to life, to Chayim, right? Nobody can do it for us and we cannot do it for someone else. Everybody must go on this journey for themselves. If a non-Jew wants to become a Jew, of course, then of course they keep Shabbos. But, um, the, uh, but uh, being in a state where a person has not gone on that journey in a real way, then Shabbos isn't relevant. Shabbos isn't, isn't going to do anything for them. Shabbos isn't an opportunity, where we get to experience what it feels like to fully exist, well, not fully, so a taste of what it means to exist calmly, securely in that space of our connection. But you gotta have the connection to experience, you know, to let go and experience that. So ideally a Shabbos for the whole world, yeah, of course it is. But you can't fall into Shabbos spontaneously. You can't wake up and say, oh, I need someone to teach me how to do this, all right? So really what it means is that the whole week is part of the process of going through our practice of integrating this self-concept into ourselves more and more. Now, interesting. 
You know how in yoga that if you do your whole practice, then you lay down, it's called Shavasana. Mm -hmm. So Shavasana, I'm firmly, I'm convinced comes from, because many Eastern ideas come from us, is like Shabbos. You let the practice now seep in. Everything you worked on during the week to develop your self-concept, your connection, now gets deeply absorbed into your subconscious. And so after Shabbos, you're different. But again, you can't have Shabbos if you didn't do your practice. You can't just start with Shavasana, okay? So it's about absorbing and internalizing something that we're conscious of the whole week, right? And that is really the, and that's the Rosh Hashayachet part of it. So there's no question that we understand Hashem created the world and part of the design of the world is Shabbos. It is not the eighth day. It is not Lamalaminateva. It's not from another realm. It's in this realm. In this physical realm, we have a break called Shabbos. So this realm is, is infused. And, um, and, and that's really the reason for Shabbos. But it was given to Am Yisrael. Everyone else was told that's it, Lo Yishbosu, because you're not there. It's waiting for somebody to emerge, Avram, the Avos, and the Imos, and then the nation that was built. And then we got Nachlas Gayim. We got really what everybody should be aware of, but they opted out. They didn't opt in, at least. And now we got it. So ideally, you know, will everybody keep Shabbos? Well, think about it. We all learn the concept that there's 6,000 years of history, and then the 7,000th is Shabbos. That means, yeah, there'll be Shabbos in the world. Everybody will understand the concept of Shabbos. It's really not, in a way, Nachlas Gayim. It's everybody's ultimate goal. But right now, Am Yisrael is only one that really committed and bought into this. And we take Shabbos so seriously. We preserve it at all costs. Now, so what happens if a person doesn't appreciate Shabbos? What is going on if a person doesn't appreciate Shabbos? So really the way, in my humble opinion, to approach it is to start with not about Hashem. Is it a day for Hashem? This is start with, have you gone on your own personal journey? Do you see yourself in direct, intimate connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? If a person sees themselves directly connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then their whole self-concept will change. And we started mentioning this last week. What's going on in society now is that people are seeking desperately identities. They're not feeling themselves or authentic in, let's say, their body, or they claim their gender, and they want to transition to a different body or a different identity. All right. And they're and, and, there, and it comes from a, def, de, a desperate, desperate sense and, and a search for me. The mistake is, the huge mistake is you are not your body and you are not your gender. And being a male or a female doesn't make you unique at all. And being a wolf doesn't even make you unique either. Or half this and half that doesn't make you unique. I mean, half the population is male, half the population is female. So being one of them doesn't make you unique. Okay, or being half and half doesn't make you unique. Your uniqueness is in here. We believe in transitioning. We believe in finding your identity, but not, it's not about your body, actually. And it's not about your sexual preference. Does anybody give a who, who Einstein wanted to sleep with or Newton? Who cares? We couldn't care less. It's not your identity, who you wanna, who your what your sexual preference is. 
It's a small, tiny part of your life or, uh, or somewhat, you know, a, a part of your life. It's not you. So we do believe in finding yourself, going inside, understanding who you are, recognizing that essentially who you are is part of a Kodesh Baruch self-expression and that, that makes you super unique. And you have your own way of thinking and that's a, that's a Raz, your secret, your own internal secret and your own way of understanding things. And you have all sorts of contributions you can bring to the world that, that are way more important than who you're sleeping with, okay? And, uh, and that what makes you who you are is all in here. So if a person is not appreciating Shabbos, if the world's not appreciating Shabbos, so the first thing to my opinion, my humble opinion, seriously, because just the way I see things is to start the journey of finding oneself in relation to Hashem, the Rosh Hayachin, and distinguishing the self from the physical body or the physical preference, you know, of, of you know, this is this is not somehow it became all confused that a person's sexual preference or their physical body is their identity. I have no idea where such a stupid idea emerged. How could it be? How? But how could it be that this this small part of a person's life, which is really not unique, becomes a whole is called an identity? Identity is much bigger than that. And we very much, we are the, the Jewish people, the Torah itself emphasizes in the first chapter of Bereshus. Nasa Adam Besalmenu, there is a nun, let us. One of the ideas here is that yes, Hashem creates us with our help. Yeah, we do participate in our self-creation. That's true. Nasa Adam. We do participate in designing ourselves. That's true. But we don't mean our body we mean our inner world, because if a person changes their body, guess what? Their inner world's not gonna change. If they still feel insecure and they still feel that nobody cares about them, they still feel that that's not gonna change if their body changes. So we, 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 um, we're, we're the, the Shabbos really comes right back to this most crucial, crucial um, aspect of the human condition, which is to be inside myself, understand myself as very unique, having a very secret inner world, having my own contributions to make my own chedushim, my own insights, my own perspective, and my own you know, contrib contributions to society that are very much a part of my inner design and developing that and taking space and, and going to a person that gets private time to worry, to, really to develop themselves to choose who they are. That's what we do. That's part of Shabbos, you know, to choose who we want to be and how we think and inculcate these things into ourselves. Yeah, we believe in this very much, but it goes on in the real world, in our minds, the real world, the part of us that is unique, the part of us that is eternal. That's where this work goes on, not in our bodies. It's the metaphor of the journey. Because if you think about it, and you think about Esau and Yaakov, they could not go on the same journey. And our journey during the week is to accumulate our packages for the destination, which is Shabbos. Very nice. Right? Well said. 
Yes. Speak, Letty. Yeah. It's yes. After everything was gathered, yes. Started, yeah. Very beautiful. Beautiful. Vayakel is everybody comes together as a as a group, as a community. Each person's individual contribution all create a composite, a collective of a community. Yeah. To the next week, yes, right. So Judy, yeah. So Judy is saying it's cumulative. Whatever we worked on ourselves gets internalized on Shabbos, and then that cumulatively affects the following. Yeah. So a person is never supposed to be. Hello, we're very modern. No one's supposed to be this Shabbos what they were next Shabbos. We're always transitioning. We invented transitioning. You know what the Chazal called it? That's the old traditional Jewish language. To take from potential and bring it into reality. What is potentially lying within you, in your character, in your wisdom, in your insights, in your chedushim, your epiphanies. Take whatever's potentially laying within you as, as un, not yet expressed and express it. Find deeper and deeper wellsprings and resources within yourself. Always transition to a higher person, but leave your body alone. Don't, create, don't, don't subject yourself because society tells you to horrifying experiments that have never been done except by Mengele, literally, okay? Yeah. To, to, to harm yourself, to do things to yourself. I mean, in the end, no matter how much a person changes their body, a couple things are facts. Number one, it's not necessarily going to change your, what you think inside your head. Number two, nobody gets out of here alive. The body's going down and, and that's where it's going. Why waste effort in changing your body? Your body might not even be here tomorrow, but your mind lives forever. Your consciousness lives forever. It's, that's the neshama of a person. That's where the change has to take place. Society is lying. The big lie is that transitioning and picking an identity applies to your physical, the physical part of you. That's the ultimate stupidest lie that could be perpetrated in the world and people are buying it and hurting themselves. But a bris is so integral to Judaism. A bris is integral to Judaism. That is an indication. You're right. We don't, we're not against making a mark on your body that shows yeah, there's right the bris is a mark on your body that shows you're devoting your physicality to god and that is a torah sanctioned mark on your body that is true huh and it's from hashem yeah everything everything has some sort of parallel in torah yeah we have a mark but but uh but what's happening now and you know people ask a lot of questions let's be honest what about a nose job what about different, you know, yeah, we do do things to our body to change our, the image, you know, we, that we, that, you know, the way we see ourselves, it's true, but let's be honest. If you change your nose, you might feel good about yourself, but it doesn't change your inner, your, your, the way you actually ultimately feel. And also no matter what you do to your body, it's minor. Okay. It's ultimately not going to change your self-concept and in terms of your, you know, your deep inner world. And another thing is, that, you know, yeah, there's a slippery slope. Some types of changes to the body are not that difficult, you know, whatever. They're, they come and they go, a nose job, whatever. Some changes to the body are more destructive. And also, and, and I'm, it's not even a conversation of what's more or less destructive. It's not that. It's about thinking the body. Here, you know, let's be honest. 
many, a lot of you are kind of in the same, we're all in the same age group, a little bit, okay? So everybody knows that people are willing to spend, people are willing to spend tens of thousands, hundred thousand dollars, okay? They think they're, they're to make themselves look better, to make themselves look young, injecting stuff and doing stuff, okay? Now, what's the point? If I look young, I won't feel old. What's wrong with feeling old? It's closer to death. Let's be honest. Also, if I look young, then I'm more relevant because old people, people ignore old people. You know, as an old lady, we don't, you know, you're kind of forgotten. Let's just say we're scared of that. So again, not in, Judaism. not in Judaism, no. So changing my body is going to make me believe, I convince myself that now I'm more relevant and I'm not, I don't have to be scared of the things that otherwise I'd be scared of. But come on, guys, we all know it's- The circle for Shabbos is sanctifying time. So yeah, Shabbos is sanctifying time. It's a very big shift. You know, we just got off Chet HaEgel. With this, we're going to end. It is normal. It is human to look for a physical crutch, to hold on to something physical, whether it be your looks or your physical body or something that this means I am that. But in the end, nothing physical means anything about who you really are inside. Why is it so bad to get a tattoo? We don't really care that much about because it's a very good question. Why is it bad to get a tattoo? The tattoo, the Isra derice of a tattoo, of course, Ben Adam Lamakom, is that um, it's a call, it's a form of mutilation of the body. It's a very good halacha question. What's the difference between that and the nose job and elective surgery and this or growth hormones? People get taller and like all sorts of stuff. You're right, it's a huge halachic area. All right. Um, and it is, and it's, it's, and sometimes it's hard to distinguish between one thing and the next. And that's why we go by halacha. You know, we go by halacha, but it's not even, it's, it's, it, the, the main idea here is, it's not halachic permissibility. I know people that take growth hormone to grow, right? It's not, the issue is not permissibility here so much as focus of what constitutes me. Okay. Not to lose sight of that. Okay, that's a distinction. But I got to tell you something. I teach in a Hasidic seminary, and this is why I just want to end with this idea. Go on, Simcha Spot. Okay? You know, the Hasidim, they have very, there's, there's a lot of differences in their culture. And I got to tell you something. One of the things that they don't emphasize you want to say is the body and you go on simple spot and a lot of people are getting engaged and they're not pretty and they're not skinny and nothing looks great about them and they're getting engaged and and it's just not such an emphasis and they and hopefully they're happy at least as happy as everybody else and they don't feel the pressure to do to do all sorts of things to themselves to and by the way i want to say one last thing here i just want to bring this up okay you know when somebody this is one of the issues about when people want to transition from one gender to the next, okay? So you look, I had a personal situation. This for sure, this for sure um, is part of, the, part of what goes on in this trend because I saw it myself. So there was a friend of mine who had a daughter. Now this daughter wasn't particularly pretty. She wasn't pretty. She had horrible skin by the time she was 12, 13 years old, horrible. She didn't have great hair. She was overweight. She just, she just didn't look great. Okay. 
So she was in a co-ed school, but this happens in a, in a single sex school too, in a girl school. She wasn't the it girl. She didn't, she wasn't really included with the, with the with, you know, in the, in the girls chevra really. And, you know, they, she wasn't one of the desirable ones, so to speak. She was also shy because she was very self-conscious about how she looked and she certainly didn't get any male attention. So her coping mechanism was not, instead of saying, I'm just ugly and fat and nobody wants to talk to me, okay? Instead of you saying that, she said, I don't care if I don't get male attention. I don't even like men. I, I identify as a guy. So she started identifying as a guy. She started wearing guy clothes, like, you know, really like grungy guy clothes, cut her hair really short. I'm a guy, so I don't care if I get guy attention, okay? So what happened here? Did she, did the desire to change her gender come because she, she didn't feel comfortable in her gender or maybe she wasn't doing well in her gender, but whose fault is that? Society. Yeah, it's everybody else's fault that a person who's not perfect is considered like, and we're not interested in, in, in reaching, you know, and really including that person. It's a massive failing of society that values physical beauty and, and what we call physical beauty. And, um, and so this person was made not to feel comfortable in her gender. And now is gonna do painful things to herself. All right, so instead of just saying, oh, well, people should be allowed to choose their gender. Why don't we first look at ourselves and say, what are we doing to make people feel so horrible about themselves that they do drastic things to themselves to, in order to feel better about themselves? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So a lot to talk about here. In any case, Shabbos is sacred. Let's just end with this and a super late the covered Shabbos, we do something special for Shabbos, we dress special for Shabbos, we only have a special toy for our kids on certain Shabbos toys, we, everything Shabbos, Kodesh, it's, it's, it's sacred to have Shabbos a part of our week, but particularly the Rosh Hashayachad aspect of it. Okay, everyone? I'm ending the recording, but I'm going to, um, I'm ending the recording, but I'm going to stay on, on the meeting for a minute, okay? Take care, everyone. Yes, so we let go of the physical. Give me a second. And we immerse ourselves in the spirit.